Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 56. There's a sudden resurgence of the promotion of minimum wage law increases on the state level. These laws are unjust and immoral on so many levels. You'll hear lots of Catholic social warriors promoting them, but they're just being socialist whether or not they realize it. Socialism, of course, has been absolutely condemned by eight different popes, despite that our current pope heretically adheres to it. We'll talk about the evils and injustices of minimum wage laws when we come back. have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a holy orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. With the sudden resurgence of minimum wage law increases on the state level, proponents of such laws say opponents, especially on the national level in the GOP-controlled Senate, are cruel and that they hate workers. Opponents rightly say that the proponents have absolutely no understanding of basic economics, business practices, and our national constitution when it comes to federal minimum wage laws. Let me first state that individual state constitutions may allow for minimum wage laws, and if the voters in those states allow such economy-busting laws, well, they get what they deserve. Because I can't address each of the 50 states on this issue, I'll focus my remarks on the national minimum wage. Liberals, whose destructive ideology has but one goal in mind, and that's the total control of everything so they can enslave the American people, seem to think they have a right to dictate to business owners how to operate their businesses. 
I've owned several businesses, so let me tell you what business owners think about the loony left's perceived right. The very first thing you need to understand is that small business makes up 95% of the businesses in America and 90% of the economy, just mom-and-pop operations trying to pursue the American dream. Only 5% of business is big business. The 95% is the cafe down the street, the barber shop on the corner, the gift shop where you bought your last anniversary gift, the locally owned small town bank, the gas station on the highway, small manufacturing facilities, and even the local fast food franchises in every city, town, and village in America. When we allow government to oppress small business, the government chokes the life out of our economy. As a small business owner, I'd never have had a problem with allowing the government to tell me what to do, provided the government was willing to pay my taxes, rent, licensing fees, and general business overhead. But the government isn't willing to do that. It only wants me to feed the economy and tax coffers and tell me what to do and how to do it. If you built a new house with a building loan and subsequent mortgage, and I came in and told you what appliances you could or couldn't have, what your furniture had to look like and how it had to be arranged, and what decor you could have, would you like that? If I had the power and authority to tell you that you had to triple your kid's allowance, would that be just? Of course not. There's nothing just about it. The social warrior crowd thinks it's just, but what passes for Catholic social justice is anything but just. It always has a facade of helping people, but at a great disadvantage to others. So why the hell does the government have the right to tell a business owner how much he has to pay his employees? None at all. Apart from the fact that minimum wage laws are immoral, unfair, and part of the socialist agenda, let's take a look at just basic economics for a moment. Let's say I own a fast food joint. All of my employees are teenagers and young people in their early 20s who are just beginning to get their start in the workforce. All such employees are minimum wage employees. Now let's say the government just raised the minimum wage by a dollar and a half. That's actually below the current trend because some states already force businesses to pay a minimum wage of $16. Anyway, the day the new minimum wage law takes effect, I call an employee meeting with my 20 employees. I say, I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is that 12 of you are getting a buck and a half an hour raise because the government said so. The bad news is that I have to terminate eight of you because I can't afford to keep you anymore. Oh, and those of you I keep will have to do the work of the people I had to let go, in addition to the work you're already responsible for doing. What good does that do anyone? That's not fair to anybody. The fired employees, the employees with the added workload, and the business owner. You may wonder how the business owner is being treated unfairly. Seems pretty obvious to me. I wouldn't have had these employees if I didn't need them, and not only do I have to let them go, but the productivity of my business will suffer because the remaining employees are overworked. Now let's say I own a small manufacturing business with 500 employees. My entry-level employees are minimum wage employees, but I also have skilled workers too, such as welders, machinists, 
secretaries, B2B marketing staff, etc. Those employees are on various pay scale levels. The government says the minimum wage is going up from $7 an hour to $12 an hour. Okay, so I give my entry-level employees the government-mandated raise, and I can still afford to keep them. But this presents another problem. Giving entry-level employees a $5 an hour raise, their new wage increase puts them $2 over my next highest-paid employees. So now I've got to give them a $5 an hour raise to keep things fair and my employees happy. It works this way all the way up my employee food chain. That's really going to hurt my bottom line if I don't do something to compensate for it. Under the law, going all the way back to old English common law, a business is a real person, a living, breathing entity. As a living entity, a business has two primary responsibilities to provide jobs, and to make a profit. If I just gave everyone who works for me a profit-destroying $5 an hour raise, then I have to compensate for that in order to still earn a profit. So how do I do that? I pass this added expense along to my customers, of course. I'm a manufacturer, so my customers are wholesalers. They have to add the increased cost to their wholesale price. Their customers are retailers, and they have to add the extra cost to their retail sales price. That means the end customer has to pay more for the same product he's always bought. Where does the end customer get the extra money he needs to buy that product? From his new raise, brought about because the government mandated minimum wage, of course. In other words, we've not only created inflation with the government-mandated increase in minimum wage, but we've ultimately hurt everyone who got a raise. Inflation is self-perpetuating, and that's why everyone gets hurt. But the poor little pointy-headed liberals who make these ridiculously unjust laws don't seem to understand that. The minimum wage laws and equal rights laws also demand that I pay everyone the same thing. In other words, if I'm paying you a wage and every other employer performs the same job, the same wage, that may be legal, but there's nothing just about it. When I first began in the workforce, I started out in a supermarket. I stocked shelves, carried out groceries, collected carts from the parking lot, and helped keep the storeroom clean. My boss hired about 20 guys who did the very same job I did. But I made more money per hour than any other kid. Why? Because I worked harder than any other kid, and I was more conscientious than any of the other boys. But my boss couldn't do that today. He'd have to pay everyone the same amount. He wouldn't be allowed to reward excellence or conscientiousness. What restricts that today is socialistic. Actually, it doesn't stop there. A closely related cousin of minimum wage laws is affirmative action laws in the workplace. I had a thriving business in a Missouri city back in the 80s, around the time the affirmative action madness began in earnest. The city where my business was only had a black population of less than 5%. About 7% of my employees were black, and I was pretty close to a 50-50 ratio on men and women. The government decided to target my business for harassment. A couple of arrogant government clowns showed up one day from two different federal agencies to inform me that I needed to hire more black people, that I didn't have enough blacks working for me. 
I argued that I hired a greater percentage of blacks than the percentage represented in our local population. They told me that since the national population was 17% black, I'd have to hire enough additional black employees to reflect that. I told them that was out of the question, that they had no right to dictate such demands on me and my business. That's when they informed me of an astronomical fine I'd have to pay every year if I failed to comply, and they threatened me with endless audits from the IRS. That's when I leaned across my desk and made sure they were both looking into my very black and angry eyes. I told them that I'd like for them to come into the employee area with me. Then I said I was going to fire everyone immediately, close the doors to my business, and explain to my newly unemployed people that the two bureaucrats were the reason for my action. Then I told these two government pencil necks that if they managed to make it out of my offices in one piece, I'd issue a press release naming them and the agencies they represented as the cause for the sudden shutdown of my business. You can be sure, since this was long before I became a Catholic, my language was anything but pleasant, because I don't respond well to threats. Fortunately for everyone, these two clowns took me seriously and blinked. I ended up having to instruct my attorney to handle a little cleanup work, but the government ultimately decided to back down. I'm willing to cut my own nose off to spite my face when it comes to standing up for principle. Most people aren't willing to do that, though, and liberal tyrants understand that. That's why the government can get away with bullying business owners. A more distant cousin to minimum wage and affirmative action laws, but in the same vein, are equal rights and anti-discrimination laws. On their surface, these laws are supposed to help the disadvantaged, but the reality is that they hurt everyone involved, especially the small business owners who contribute to 95% of our economy. These laws are evil, immoral, and are tyrannical on their face, because you can't legislate what people think or their beliefs. Minds are free to think whatever they want, even if that thinking is immoral and stupid. I'll not comment on this any further, because I have in a previous episode. The bottom line is that the government just needs to get out of the business of business. Let the free market determine wages, safety, hiring practices, and everything else. Do me a favor and go to my show notes to get the link to take a survey so I can better serve you, if you haven't already taken it. What did Billy D. Williams... The celebrated American artist Norman Rockwell and famed comedian Jimmy Durante have to do with one man's journey from conservative Judaism to the cross. Everything. Marty Barrick has lived one of the most fascinating conversion journeys ever told. In Calvary Road, Marty's biography, you can read about Marty's military service with Billy D. Williams, how Norman Rockwell helped him pass a college course, how in his deep abiding love for his late wife, Marty helped Irene travel the road of sanctity. How the times are quickly reaching critical mass for fulfilling prophecy concerning the Jews, and much, much more. Get your copy of Calvary Road by Marty Barrick today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. 
Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to the Western Journal. More than 20,000 people marched on Richmond, Virginia on January the 20th in a show of unity for their Second Amendment rights. The state's Democratic lawmakers didn't seem to care, though, pushing a gun control bill forward only one day after the rally. Virginia is still the place to watch. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to the Western Journal. In a gut-wrenching video now flooding social media, a boy is pummeled ruthlessly and hospitalized by a group of his fellow students. According to the young man's mother, the vicious beating was all because of a pro-Trump hat. Looney leftist violence against ordinary Americans just keeps getting worse and worse. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 3 Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Did thousands of women die while undergoing illegal abortions before it was legalized in the United States? Even the liberal Washington Post newspaper said no. In fact, the frequently decided but totally erroneous statement was included in the newspaper's 2019 Pinocchio list. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 2 Hats off to Catholic News Agency. The life of blessed Franz Jagersatter has come to the silver screen. Franz refused to fight for the Nazis in World War II, a decision that led to his imprisonment and death. Franz was beatified in the Catholic Church in 2003. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 1 Hats off to LifeSite News. A Dallas law firm filed a class action suit against the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops yeah, that's the USCCB, for unlawful, deceptive, and fraudulent practices in promoting and collecting funds for the papal charity Peter's Pence. The suit alleges the American bishops actively misled Catholics into believing their millions of dollars in donations to the collection would be used to help victims of war, oppression, natural disaster, or disease, when in fact much of the money was funneled into private investments such as Hollywood's sexually explicit Elton John biopic, luxury condominium developments, and hefty multi-million dollar commissions to fund managers. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary. All of us Catholics who love the Church have been wringing our hands, wishing this pontificate would be short-lived. Of course, none of us want anything bad to happen to Francis, so we're not praying for him to die. But he did say at the beginning of his pontificate that he'd probably retire the way Benedict did. That's what I've been praying for. Still, in episode 22, I told you there was another way to view Francis that didn't include a sense of angst, that it actually included a sense of hope. I told you way back in May of last year that God may have given us Francis to wake us up, to help us shake off our apathy. I believe that then, and now I think it's happening. 
There's something going on around the world, something that I don't see as anything short of miraculous. What's happening is being caused by what I call the Francis Effect. The Francis Effect is causing Catholic lady around the world to come out of the stupor of their apathy. Because all of the craziness coming out of the Vatican and the heresies of Francis, the Catholic laity have become hungry to learn the faith the way they should have known it all along. As I mentioned in last week's episode, their census fidei is warning them of the dangers of this Pope's teachings. That's motivating them to learn and actually live our holy and ancient faith. But now it's time for the next step. I'm going to tell you what I honestly think feel about you six-packers. You're not typical modern Catholics. The typical modern Catholic is apathetic, catechetically ignorant, and thinks going to Mass once in a while causes him to be able to say he's devout. That ain't you. Six-packers are head and shoulders above the typical modern Catholic. You love and live our faith, and you subscribe to this podcast because you want to learn how to do it better. You're thinkers, lovers of reason. You're Catholic patriots and warriors who want to work to save our church and our country. You're leaders. That's what a six-packer is, and I'm proud to be able to speak to you every week. I'm proud to consider you part of my family. But now it's time to step up our game and help our brothers and sisters who are waking up from their stupor. We can't wait until we're comfortable with doing that. We have to do it while it still feels uncomfortable. Remember, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. If you've got the conviction of what you believe, it's time to leave your comfort zone. In the Bible, there were two characters who really stood out for what they said and did. One was in the Old Testament, and his name was Elijah. The other was in the New Testament, and his name was John the Baptist. Elijah was a man of great faith and tenacity. My favorite story about Elijah is in the 18th chapter of 1 Kings. Elijah challenged the priests of the false god Baal. I won't recap it here, but I strongly recommend you read it for yourselves. It begins in verse 22. The thing I like most about this story is that Elijah had the courage of his conviction and faith in God so much that he faced certain death by going up against the 450 prophets of Baal, just to prove the existence, power, and majesty of the one true God. As is typical of that kind of faith and courage, God didn't let Elijah down. Elijah told the king and the prophets of Baal the truth in the most bold terms, and he didn't care about the potential consequences. If I'm saved, I'm really looking forward to meeting and talking to Elijah. John the Baptist didn't have as much drama in his life as Elijah, but he was a remarkable figure nonetheless. He had the privilege of being the voice in the wilderness to be the man who prepared Israel for the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. John wasn't shy about telling things the way they were. He had no problem whatsoever calling sin a sin, and he didn't care about who he offended because he knew that the day would come when he'd have to give account to God if he failed to be as bold as we all should be. John was so bold, in fact, that he ran afoul of King Herod and Queen Herodias when he publicly accused them of adultery. So Herod eventually had John beheaded. The reason I bring up John the Baptist and Elijah is because it's time we six-packers step up our game to their level. 
Right now the church and the world need some Johns the Baptist and Elijahs. Time grows short, and both the world and many of our church's hierarchy are standing on the edge of the abyss of hell. So we have to be Johns the Baptist and Elijahs. At various times throughout Catholic history, the boldness of the lesser people saved the greater people from themselves. Paul did it with Peter. St. Catherine did it with the Pope. Over and over again in history, God gave boldness to bishops, priests, religious, and lay people to loudly and unwaveringly proclaim the truth in order to save people from themselves. God is raising lay people up around the world to be Johns the Baptist and Elijah's, and he's calling six-packers too. You don't have to launch a podcast or a blog site. You don't have to start an apostolate. You just have to have the courage of your convictions enough to call out your fellow Catholics, bishops, and priests when you see them acting or speaking things that are contrary to divinely revealed truth. Tell your pastor you're sick and tired of namby-pamby homilies and go-along-to-get-along platitudes. Demand that he teach Orthodox Catholicism no matter the consequences. In other words, tell him to be a true priest. Tell your bishop you're tired of him being a social justice warrior or constantly asking you to empty your wallet for him. Tell him you want him to be a genuine shepherd of souls by teaching everyone the fullness of divinely revealed truth. Tell the lay people in your parish how close they are to the abyss of hell. Tell those who leave Mass immediately after communion that they're committing a mortal sin because leaving early keeps them from fulfilling their Sunday obligation. Begin loudly proclaiming the evils of artificial contraception because 90% of Catholics are condemning themselves to hell with that practice. Become a John the Baptist and Elijah. Now, don't place yourself in a position where you'll one day have to explain to God why you were silent. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is a welcome visitor to parishes across the United States every Sunday through his What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Using humor, immutable truth, and ignoring political correctness, Joe Sixpack helps the average Catholic in the pew better know and understand our holy and ancient faith in a way that is refreshing, awe-inspiring, and makes readers chest-pounding proud to be Catholic. And readers love it. Now you can enjoy Joe's work by getting the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It book series. In fact, get two copies of each book, one for yourself and one for your pastor. Then your priest can decide if he wants to help your fellow parishioners by subscribing to the What We Believe, Why We Believe It bulletin inserts. Get your copy of the best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. Some 400 priests were imprisoned by the Nazis in a concentration camp during World War II. For more than two months, none of them were permitted to say Mass, receive communion, nor visit a church. But Christ finally visited them in the Holy Eucharist, where they were kept in a stable. 
One morning, the Gestapo raided a Capuchin monastery and told the priest to leave at once. There wasn't any time to consume the consecrated host in the church, so one of the priests managed to put the host into his handbag and smuggle it into the concentration camp. Soon the news spread around the prison yard about Jesus being in the camp. The yard became quiet but not silent. The priest dared not be silent because that would have attracted the attention of the Gestapo. They couldn't afford to raise suspicions, at least not until after communion the following morning. The priests made their holy hour of adoration. It lasted all night. They whispered in pairs, making and hearing one another's confessions. It was dark and cold the following morning. A single electric light glowed feebly, lighting the tiny black bag on a sheet-covered wooden box serving as a makeshift altar. The 400 priests, some old, some young, guiding themselves by feeling their way around the wall, moved around in the pitch darkness toward the handbag. They knelt before the humble black bag tabernacle containing Jesus and received communion. After the priests had received communion, a guard entered the stable to wake them up. Had he been a minute earlier, the priests would have been caught. The officiating priest wanted to give communion the next morning, so he took the time to break all the hosts in two. The following morning, all the hosts were consumed, and they had to take leave of their Eucharistic Jesus. They were alone again, but his visit left their hearts aflame with love and confidence. They had a renewed strength to face the Nazi tyranny. These men who'd received holy orders so they could forgive sins, offer holy mass, and teach for the benefit of the souls entrusted to them were now being punished by a godless government regime. All they could do was use the sacraments of penance and the Eucharist for their own benefit. Like Christ and the apostles, a countless number of priests have died for the faith. They've been faithful to their dignity and responsibility as shepherds to the flocks they've been given. That's it for this episode, Six Packers. Be sure to come back and listen to next week's episode. If you like The Cantankerous Catholic, be sure to write a review wherever you download it so other like-minded Catholics can more easily find it. And be sure to visit my show notes to get links to other things relevant to this episode. As long as you're on the show notes, drop a comment at the bottom to let me know what you think of this episode or to suggest topics for future episodes. If you happen to be on cantankerouscatholic.com for the show notes, download a free copy of The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It, Volume 1, and visit the Joe's Stuff page to get copies of my other books and some really neat coffee mugs. I think you six-packers are the cream of the Catholic crop, and I really appreciate you listening. Just remember, though, comfort and conviction don't live on the same This block. has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.